man, the other day, uh, after I took you guys paddle boarding, all right, I took your family, you guys went out, was that Wednesday or what day was it? It was Wednesday. Uh, yeah, you guys even said, hey, would you like to go out to lunch? And I'm like, no, I got, I got to get ready for Bible study. I got this. But the more I started thinking about lunch, the more I'm like, dude, I need to go hit La Perla. Anybody know about La Perla? Yeah, La Perla. So I was thinking, um, you know, it was Barb here. No, there's Janet. Bar- Jan- Barb you always gets like what? The quesadilla loco, man. Oh, that's good. Ashley, you guys always get the chicken tacos, right? Me, I was thinking about tripa tacos, man. How many of y'all like crunchy fried cow intestines? Dude, it's awesome, man. There you go, Marley. Tripa tacos, my brother. And, and, and I have contact. I have a connections there. So I'm like, dude, I want them extra crunchy. And it's almost like bacon. You're like, well, why don't you get bacon? Well, because they don't have it. But, dude, it was so, I was just dreaming about these crunchy tripa tacos, man. And three of them. So I headed there afterwards. I, I went to La Perla and I had to get in and out really super quick. And anyways, I pull in the parking lot and you guys know if you've been there, it looks like it's been closed for 11 years. That's how Vicky and Tom Van Giesen uh, described it, but it's the best food, the best people, best everything. And, and it's cheap too. So anyways, uh, so I pulled in the parking lot through all the potholes. Good thing I have four wheel drive. And uh, I pull into my parking spot and I go ahead and I get out and there's an envelope sitting there. And I'm like, dude, there's an envelope sitting there. And I look down, I, gra- I pick up the envelope and in the envelope, I didn't look in much detail and you'll know why in a minute, because man, when I picked that envelope up, I, I opened it, it's just a big white envelope, but it was stuff, dude. And I picked the envelope up and I start flipping and I'm like, this is cash, I mean, literally, it's stuffed with this much cash. I didn't even look at the denomination or anything because there were at least two digits. And dude, that's more money than I had in my wallet. So I'm like, man, a bunch of $10 plus something, man. It was, it was a chunk of money. And I knew there were more than $10 bill, but I just like, I'm like, oh. So you know what I did? Dude, you know what I did? I didn't lick the envelope, right? But I, I took the envelope and I shoved it under the seat of my truck. And I'm like, oh, man. All right, what am I going to do with all this cash? Oh my goodness, what am I going to do with all this cash that I have just found? Oh my. And so you know what I did? I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about all the things I could spend this cash on, on me, right? How many of y'all, how many honestly, I know you're in church and you're thinking otherwise, but how many of y'all would have that inclination? Anybody be honest to admit that? Yeah. I'm like, what can I buy me with all this cash right here? And, 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 and I'm driving and all of a sudden I, there's my pawn shop right there. Now, most of you know that I am the pawn shop pastor. I, I, I do go uh, up at the pawn shop. I, I, I give them Bible verses. I pray with some of those guys. I help them see life from God's perspective. And also I buy stuff at the pawn shop and they hook me up with good deals. That's how you guys are like diving with me and stuff because I get dive gear from there. But at the same time, man, it's kind of tough. They call me sometimes and say, hey, pastor, can you come pray with these people at the pawn shop right now? They're, they're hawking their mom, their grandma's, great grandma's wedding ring and life's not good. And I go pray and I hang out there. So I went with my pawn shop buddies and dude, as soon as I walked in, Terry, I know this doesn't probably mean much to you, but I walked in and there were my three dream guns, Jack. Oh my God. I walk in and in the cabinet right there, there's a Ruger Blackhawk 357 Magnum, like cowboy gun, man. I'm just like, oh, that's one of the dream guns I have. All right. That, you know, like it's old school. It's there. Then I look up on the counter and I see a I see a Winchester 3030. Oh, it's iconic. I don't have one. 
Do I need one? That's not relevant. I don't have one. It's a Winchester 3030 Model 94 model, which in Florida history is iconic. Because prior to that, there was no repeating rifle. Prior to 1894, there was no repeating rifle. Commercial, or, uh, the, the average person couldn't buy smokeless powder. It was big shotguns and black, but it was rough. This changed the world, this repeating rifle, this 30-30. And it's just a piece of iconic history. And prior to ni- 1964, they started making them really cheap. So if you can get one prior to 64, I look at the serial number and it's a 1922, a hundred years old. I'm like, oh, oh, this is for me. I got a big chunk of cash under the seat of my truck here, man. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh my God. And next to it, my other iconic gun jack, my other one, it was a brand spanking new Henry. You know, the ones with the gold on them that are all pimped out. They don't even look like they should be hunting guns. A lever action 44 Magnum. I could use that for hog hunting, dude, because I love hog hunting, right? I like to put some meat in the freezer, and if you ever want some, let me know, and I'll hook you up. I'll teach you how to cook it, because some of y'all cook it in the microwave, and it ain't good that way. But I'm just saying. So I'm looking, and I go to my buddy Lester. I'm like, oh, Lester. He's like, you like those guns? I said, yes, I do, sir. I said, I want you to pull them off the shelf. I want you to ring them up. He's like, what? No, like, layaway, like $5, $10 a week like normal (laughs) until you can finally pay them off and get them. No, dude. I said, I... and I was sort of not feeling right about, you know, the explanation about this cash. So at the time, I said, yeah, somebody gave me a, chunk, a big envelope of cash. I mean, you know, it's still true. Somebody gave it to me. They didn't know they gave it to me, but they gave me a chunk of cash, right? I said, yeah, somebody gave me a, an envelope full of cash. And I know there's enough in here to buy all three of these guns. No layaway for me, baby. And... Uh, and, and he's like, all right, man, let's go. And he's, uh, he's like still looking at me kind of weird, like, you know, man, this doesn't sound right, whatever. And I'm like, no, this sounds right, all the right in the world to me right now. And, and he's in there. He's like, all right, let me see your concealed weapons permit. Let me see your ID. And it, go, go over to the computer, fill out your background check. He's doing all this stuff. I go to the computer. I'm doing, I can't even think straight to fill out my background check. I don't mess any of the check boxes up, man, because then it's going to reject. And I'm like trying to pay attention, but I'm thinking like, how many of y'all remember the Christmas story with Ralphie when he was fighting off Black Bart, right? Dude, I'm having Black Bart Ralphie stories with that, with that 30-30 man and my cowboy gun. I'm like, woohoo! But I focus and I get through the, the, the background checks. And then I said, I go back to the thing. I said, did background check come in yet? People ever do that, Jack? Oh, yeah, they're like, is it here yet? And you're like, no, we're kind of waiting on Tallahassee, right? So I, I go out to my truck, and I'm like there, all right, Lester. Lester's my boy. I give Lester scripture every day. I pray for Lester all the time. Awesome guy. You ever want to play? You go out a pawn shop, pray for a guy named Lester. He's an awesome kid, man. But I, I go, Lester, call me. I'm going to be out in my truck dreaming and drooling. And just pr- call me when this comes in, all right? When the background check comes in, I, I got the cash. I'm ready to go. He's like, this I got to see. And so three hours later, you know, people who think you don't have to get background checks and nothing, yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Three hours later, background check comes through. I walk in, man, oh, dude, I am like, oh, I've been waiting for this moment. Not just one of these guns, but all three of these iconic guns that I've been waiting for. They're here and they're going to be mine because I have this chunk of cash that somebody gave me, right? 
If I'm a Christian, I'm thinking maybe God gave that to me, right? But anyways, at this point, I'm not even thinking, I'm just thinking, dude, somebody gave me this, right? So I walk in with my chunk of cash in the envelope, man, barely fitting in there. It's all sealed over and, you know, and, 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 and I walk up there and Lester said, all right, let's ring it up. Rings it up, does all the laborious paperwork that's involved. There's laborious paperwork involved if you ever buy a gun. It's there. Don't think that, don't believe what CNN and other people tell you that, oh yeah, people just, no, that's not how it works, dude. It's laborious paperwork. He goes through all of that paperwork. And then he says, all right, well, you ready to buy it? And I'm saying, yes, sir. And I slam that envelope full of cash down on the counter. All of a sudden he opens it up and he starts looking and he has a perplexed look on his face. And I'm like, what's wrong, Lester? What's wrong? And he pulls one of them out, and it's a $70 bill. He pulls another one out, and it's a $70 bill. The envelope is filled with $70 bills. So what do y'all think about a $70 bill? It's counterfeit. Can you imagine? You're a banker, right, Beverly? $70 bill. You're like, uh, what would you tell somebody if they're handing you a 70 Can I get changed for this $70 bill? What would you tell them after you call the police, right? My buddy Lester's like, $70 bills, dude, where'd you get these? And I'm like, somebody gave them to me. <laughs> and he's like, and they're under my, he's like, now I got to call the authorities. And you're the one with these. And he's like, man, I'm like, no. You didn't hear they started making $70 bills. $70 bills are legit. They're legal. I can't not give, take these guns. I've dreamed about them. This is it. All of this. And, and Lester's like, I'm sorry, but you're actually going to have to even wait here and talk to the authorities. And so can you imagine how dejected I was to go through all of this to realize I had counterfeit money? What would, how would you describe all of that in one word? Y'all got, y'all got, yeah. She's like, weird. What'd you eat for you? Oh, fear. Yeah. How about the word disappointment? Could you be lit down anymore by something counterfeit? Well, to let you down one more time, how many of y'all know I made that entire story up? <laughs> Some of you were probably like, God, this pastor, dude, I don't want nothing to do with this guy, man. You know, but let's go back and let's pick the story apart a little bit. So, so, so again, I end up in bad shape, but how many of y'all saw some areas where I could have stayed out of some trouble and not ended up there? Like number one, no, La Perla was not a mistake and eating cow intestine is not a mistake, right, Marley? It's good stuff. That, 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 I'm just going to fight you on that one. But what about when I got out of my truck and there's an envelope of cash? An envelope of cash. What do you guys think? What should I have done? No, no, one at a time. Raise your hand. Let me call on you here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what should I have done? Oh, yeah. I should have. Well, how about if I would have just looked to begin with? <laughs> you, you, if I had to look to begin with, how many of you ever found one of those tracks that unscrupulous Christians leave that look like $100 bills and people get really excited? Oh, $100. And they say, this is a track. I'm just going to tell you, folks, if you're that guy that leaves those $100 bill tracks, you better leave a $100 bill with it. Otherwise, lost people don't think very highly of you when you do that. Christians think, oh, this is pretty cool. I'll get them to read it. Yeah, and they're going to hate it because I know they've told me. <laughs> but so if, what if I, when I found it, if I'd have opened it up and saw it was $70 bills, what would I have known right off the bat? 
that it was garbage. It was counterfeit. And I wouldn't have gotten any further. I wouldn't have gotten all my hopes up. I wouldn't have got all excited. I wouldn't have made all the other mistakes if I would have known it was counterfeit to begin with. But you see, God, man, in, in, in the Word of God, in 1 John, I think it's 2.16, he says there's three ways we can be tempted. We can be tempted with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the eyes where we see something and we're like, whoo, any of y'all ever see something in all common sense, all anything just goes out the window because you saw something? Anybody ever lust with the eyes? Let me see your hand. Yeah. Lust of the flesh, dude. I'm talking, man, when you're watching the other tables, Tripa Tacos coming out and their quesadillas and their stuff, man, you're lusting with the flesh, waiting for yours to come in, man. And you probably won't even find out the wrong thing until you have to take a bite. But I'm just saying, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life is where we make our own decisions. Check this out. So those are the three ways you can be tempted. Adam and Eve in the garden, lust of the eyes. How is lust of the eyes? They look, and God said, you can do anything, anything you want, except do what? Eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I only want you to know good. So when you look at Bob, you don't have to decide whether he's good or bad. He's good. Right on, man. And, and Bob looks at me. It's all good. And so we look at, but, but he's, God says, you're not qualified to make decisions between good and evil. I don't want you to have to make those decisions. And if all you know is good, you're not going to do anything evil, and there's not going to be evil in the world. It's always going to be good because every decision you make is good. But if you eat off this tree, you're going to be unqualified to make the decisions you're going to be faced with. Choosing between good and evil. How many of y'all had to choose between good and evil? Yeah. How many of y'all had to do it today? How many of y'all have ever messed up? <laughs> yeah, and you know the consequences of sin. If the wages of sin is death, when you mess up, something messes up. Something is messed up bad. And so how many of y'all have messed up anything? <laughs> yeah. Now, look at all the hands and, the, and all the people who just lied. They'd messed up just now. you got to answer that. I told God, I am sorry I lied. I have messed things up, right? But, but in that, can you imagine all the mess-ups since Adam and Eve no wonder the earth is groaning and the earth is saying, oh God, please make it like it was supposed to be in the garden. That's the millennial kingdom. Make it that way again. Jesus, come back and make it all good again. Because every time we make bad decisions, bad things happen and it breaks. That's why he's given us repentance in that. So man, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the only three ways we can be tempted, Eve, God said, don't eat off that tree. You're not qualified. Don't. And, and make the choice because you love me. Do the right thing. And so again, they, they saw that it was good, lust of the eyes. Ooh, and it was going to taste good, lust of the flesh. And what was the last thing? After Satan basically said, did God really say that? Have you ever had God say that to you? I found that big stack of cash, right? What should I have done? I should have prayed, oh God, what should I do with that? But instead, lust of the, the, the pride of life. Man, you know what? I'm going to make a decision to take this. This is for me. I'm just going to assume a bunch of things. So again, the pride of life is where you make the choices in life. Instead of praying and saying, God, what should I do? That's your spirit-filled life right there, guys. Once you're born again, it's a walk. What do you want me to do now, God? and do it. What do you want me to do now, God? And do it. And if you are always just asking, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Where are you going? 
Or if you're always just doing, 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 and saying, I'm doing it for you, God, but it's not what he wants, where are you going? Circles. It's like paddling a surfboard. How, paddling with one arm, where are you going to go? <laughs> what if you paddle with the other arm? Brandon, where are you going to go? Circles. It's like, what do you want me to do now? Do it. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. You're making progress moving forward. That's our Christian life right there. But the pride of life is saying, I'm doing this, man. I'm just doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We're going in circles because we're doing stuff that God doesn't want us to do. So the three ways you can be tempted is the lust of the what? The lust of the, and the pride of, I'm making the decisions here. In my story, did I even ask God what to do with that cash? How many of y'all were thinking, he didn't even pray? Did any of y'all think that? He didn't even pray. Here's the pastor, man. How many of y'all were like, whoa, whoa, you were stuck. You didn't hear the rest of the details. You're like, he didn't pray. That's like when somebody starts eating at the dinner table and you're like, we didn't pray, right? That food's cursed. It's been, um, isn't that what you feel sometimes? Yeah. He didn't even pray. The pride of life is when I want to make the decisions, not God. And again, so that's, that's when we get in trouble, when we do that. Adam and Eve failed at the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Why? Because they blew off God's word. God simply said, don't do this. You can do everything else but that. You can do it all but that but they blew off his word and Satan tempted him and said, did God really say that? Is that really what God, how many of y'all ever made a white issue that was black and white and you made it gray? Y'all ever made it gray? So you, so yeah, it's gray. Oh God, what? okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, God. <laughs> and now it's right, right? Lust the eyes, lust the flesh, pride of life. That's Adam and Eve. They failed because they blew off God's word in the wilderness when after Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why? Because God wants us to see what it looks like to trust him. As I've said many times before, God does the testing, and the test isn't for him, it's for us. So we know our strengths and weaknesses. God does the testing. The devil is always willing to do the tempting, but we do the trusting, y'all. God just wants us to trust, right? And so in the garden, when the very first thing, he'd been fasting and, and hung up for 40 days. Again, he, he wasn't tempted three times. He was tempted over and over again in these three ways because these are the only three ways to be tempted. And so the very first thing, uh, you remember? Remember, Tom? He's hungry. He's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. So where do you think Satan's going to tempt him? Yeah, dude, make your own food. If you're really God, make your own food. First of all, I've been double dog dared. So um, I mean, how many of y'all, when y'all get double dog, when you get dared to do something, you do something, right? Brandon, you're easy. How many of y'all have to be double dog dared? And then double, double dog dared. And then you're like, oh yeah, buddy, I'm doing it. Yeah, he was double dog dared to go make it. You prove your, you know, your God, make these stones bread. And plus his flesh was hungry. Sounds good to me. How many of y'all think that sounds good to you? You know, but what did he say? Man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in other words, I'm not doing it unless God tells me to do it. When it's time for me to eat, I'll eat. Whether I make it out of rocks or God rains it down from heaven as man, and no matter what, God's in charge. Amen? So instead of blowing off God's word, what did he do? 
You listen to God's word the, and, and the lust of the flesh, dude. That's hard, lust of the flesh. Man, I've watched you guys when we're kind of wrapping up around two o'clock. And you, not really. It feels like two o'clock, doesn't it, Terry? Oh, it's feeling like three. I hear Terry's stomach going, boy, <laughs> you know, it's like, I get it, man. <laughs> How many of y'all are thinking there have been times in church, not only have you been praying for the rapture, but you've also been thinking, if I could make this rusty bucket bread, I'd be doing it and eating it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, lust of the flesh. Oh, remember Satan took him up to a mountain? You remember, Carol, you remember Carol Ann? How much longer are you going to be here? Is this your last service or no? Oh, good, good. So I got a few more weeks to pick on you then. All right, awesome. So, <laughs> oh, you can't hide behind Gary, man. <laughs> <clears throat> he took Jesus up onto a mountain. And what did he show him? The world. The world. Is there a mountain you could go up on and see the entire world? But he took Jesus up on a mountain. What audacity. And said, here's the world. And if, and if you worship me, I'll give it all to you. I'll give it all to you. What do you think about that, Mary? Who already owned it all to begin with? Jesus did. He's trying to offer him something he already owns, right? It's something he already owns, but the, the devil is that kind of person. And, and you know what? Somebody offers you the world, and you don't really know what you already have in Christ. That's what we're learning in the book of Ephesians, and we are going to get to there today, I promise. This is just prelude. And uh, but, but once, man, what he's shown us is the riches we have, and you don't know what you already have. The devil offers you something, and often he offers you counterfeit. But if you already know you have it, you can say, you know what, dude, I'm worshiping God, and that's who I'm worshiping, man. I ain't, you know, I ain't messing with it. So every time Jesus was tempted, another temptation, he told him, he said, oh, hey, Jesus, look at all these worshipers. If you get up on the pinnacle of the temple and you jump, because he saw Jesus was using the word of God, right? He said, if you jump, I think it's Psalm 91. Is that right? Somewhere in Psalm 91, 90, 91. He said, it says in the word of God that if you jump, the angels are going to catch you and you won't even dash your toe on a rock, man. And if you do that, you won't have to go to the cross. Everybody will just believe you're the Messiah and they'll spread it. And Jesus said, no, man, according to God's word, that, that, that's not God's plan. Don't tempt the Lord your God. Don't tempt him by doing stuff in his name and then claiming it's him. He said, no, I'm going to go to the cross just like I'm supposed to. So Jesus succeeded in lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Because what did he do with God's word? He obeyed it. He listened to it. And he had to learn it, we're told. Also, even though he was God, he was 100% man in all of that. I think we're done. No, we're not done. <laughs> so <laughs> what's the answer, Brad? Uh, what's the answer over there, Gavin? God. <laughs> yeah. So, so in this story, all right, <laughs> getting back to my story, I got the cash. All right. What should I have done? I should have and found out what God wants me to do because we are stewards of everything God wants us to, that he gives us. And, and, and who said, what, what was your guys' number one answer? What should I have done with it? What should have been my motive in finding this chunk of cash? What should I have done? Found the owner. Yeah. 
But, and you know, in reality, who owns everything? God. And we manage what God wants us to have, so we need to do with, with our things what God wants us to do with it. And so we've got to ask Him. We search Scripture. We search Him. We pray. What do you want me to do with this? And, and, you know, most of the time when we find something or we receive some, who do we think it, it belongs to? Yeah. And most of the time we, oh, it belongs to God, but God gave it to me. Well, let me ask you a question. Why did God give it to you? And I'm going to tell you most of the time it's to give to somebody else. Most of the time it's for somebody else, because if God wants to give somebody something, who's he got to use? You guys. Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you saw a fireball come out of heaven loaded with cash that had God's name on it? To Bob and Ann from God, you know? No, he used somebody to bring it to you. Are you that kind of person that if God were to want to give somebody a million bucks, that he could give you a million bucks and all million bucks could go to him? Or would you say, yeah, maybe... 500,000, I think. God wants, surely wants me to have 250,000 for me. That's fair. No, what does God want to do with the whole thing? So in my story in that, yeah. So if I would have looked, I would have seen it was counterfeit. If I would have, if I would have been praying and asking God, God would have had me go in. Because if you know the owners of La Perla, man, it's a cool family. There's Raphael and there's Jose and Jose's wife, um, Alex, she just had a baby, just had a baby that was a godsend because she wasn't even supposed to have a baby anymore. And she just, the baby just got born. Man, could they have used it even if God dropped in the parking lot for them? But no, there were iconic guns for me to buy, right? But the fact is, is that, man, there was other, how many of y'all thought, dude, you're going to just buy guns? Some of y'all are like, yeah, because guns are bad or whatever. I'm just saying I like hunting and I like shooting, all right? And not people. I'm just saying that. But, but, but you know, it's not really about guns. What it's about is, is buying stuff just that you like. Buying stuff for you as opposed to figuring out what God wants you to do with it. Man, were there people at La Perla that could have used that chunk of cash if it was not counterfeit? <laughs> yeah. And, and besides, if somebody lost a big envelope full of money, you know, Chuck, you go to La Perla, right? Dude, you just got a money out of the bank to buy supplies for making surfboards, whatever. It's a big chunk sometime or whatever. You got a bunch of them. Somebody just, the surfers finally paid you. Does that ever happen? No. <laughs> no, you finally collected, you know, and here it is. And you get out of La Perla in your truck just to get some tacos and it falls out of your pocket. Oh my goodness, what's that going to do to you and your business if you don't have that money? The devastation that could have been caused by me being selfish, thinking it's for me. That's counterfeit. That's counterfeit. It's counterfeit love. God has authentic love. And that's what we're going to be looking at. You guys can pick my story apart further and further. We could talk the whole day on my story here and keep going. And in fact, I invite you to do that in there. Jack's like, well, wait, I still don't get it. The guns. So did you go back and get the guns? <laughs> did you go rob a bank to get the guns? I mean, those guns are going to, you can sell them and then pay back whoever you robbed, right? You know, I'm like, no. But, but in this, you can keep going with the whole story in all of that. But again, the disappointment in falling for something that's counterfeit, man, 
That's the worst part of it. The lack of trust, the disappointment that there is in something counterfeit. That's why in the Word of God, as we continue in Ephesians chapter 5, I'm not going to preach through, keep going JJ, I'm not going to preach through the whole first three verses because we spent about three weeks talking. I'm going to hit the highlights on it, and then we're going to hit some kind of new stuff because what God does is He tells us what real love is, but then He shows us what counterfeit love is, and counterfeit love is Satan's love. It's a system that Satan has set up in this world. And so when you look at it, I just want you to let the Holy Spirit of God apply it to your life. Because I'm going to tell you what, when I looked at this counterfeit love, dude, I was, I was convicted. How do you think I came up with such a good story? Is that really that far-fetched in my life when I'm not walking with God? No. How many of y'all could identify and you're thinking right along, all right, all right, all right. But, but we're in church, you're supposed to say other things. But in real life, have we not thought that way about stuff? So be like God, God is love. That's what we started when we hit Ephesians chapter 5. First three ver- chapters of Ephesians, he told us of the wealth we have. And everybody's like, yeah. Starting in chapter 4, he says, this is the walk we have now. This is how we apply it. Because again, the word of God is like deodorant, giant stick of deodorant. And in, in Brad, you can have a 55-gallon drum of the junk, but it's only going to work if you do what with it? Put it on. Ask your wife. She'll tell you. You got to put it on. And that's the Word of God. So be like God. God is love. God's love, look at this. And, and this is a summary of what we went over for about three weeks or so on God's love. And you can go back and look at those messages, or you can, and I can go to La Perla, and I can preach them all over again to you, as long as you're buying the tacos, all right? So God's love is authentic. God is love. The world's got this world. For, uh, man, we've got all this, this, this different definitions of love. You know what? I love Tripa tacos. Hey, honey, raise your hand back there. She's like, oh, really? That's my wife over there, teacher. I, I love my wife. Isn't it crazy that I could use the same word for tacos, my feeling towards tacos and the feeling towards my wife? You're like, yeah, because, man, your love for tacos is way more, right? No, I'm just, <laughs> no, it's not. You see, we use love for so many different things that we've confused it. And now the world, oh, if you love me, if you love me, oh, the opposite of love is hate. So if you don't agree, it's hate. No, God defines what love is. He defines it. And, 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 and in the end, that's all that's going to matter is what he says about it. I don't care how many people have another definition. His love is authentic love. It's the real deal. It's not a $70 bill. Beverly, <laughs> uh, what's the highest denomination um, that you, I mean, do you know? What, huh? Okay, hundreds. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's higher. Is that all they let you play with at the bank? I'm sorry, I'm messing with you. No, but yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying, man, there, there's some legit stuff. God is not a $70 bill. The world is. God's love is authentic. Listen, it forgives We talked about that for a couple of weeks through the life of Christ before Easter. It is selfless. Man, if God's love found an envelope full of money under the truck in La Perla parking lot, and it's selfless, what would it have done with it? It would have figured out how not to spend it on itself. It would have figured out what he wanted to do. Let's say I went through all all the everything in the world of what I'm supposed to do, and it doesn't belong to me. Now it belongs to me. Now I still figure out what I want to do. Would not it have been cooler to buy my wife a really awesome Mother's Day present? 
Moms, I'm just saying, you know, as opposed to buying me three guns. Some of you guys are like, yeah, no, three guns still, man. I'm good. No, for somebody else. Is there anybody that maybe I could have used that to help them get their first and last month's rent so they could get into an apartment, get into a house, maybe help a down payment if it was that big and all of that. There's so many things that I don't know, but I got to figure out why does God want me to have this? But God's love you know you're walking in God's love when it's selfless, not selfish. God's love is sacrificial. That's what it, we talked about with Christ on the cross. It's also unlimited and it's unconditional. Real super quick, look at Ephesians uh, uh, chapter four. Uh, well, let's see where we're at here. All right, uh, going back. Okay, yeah, we're just starting in Ephesians chapter five. He said, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So God loves you. He's your, he's your, you're his child. He says, imitate him. Uh, you know, that's, that's something to think about in this love is look at decisions you make. Me grabbing that cash and sho- shoving it under the seat of my truck. Am I imitating God or am I imitating Satan? Yeah, I ain't imitating God. Me going in and not even asking God, am I imitating? What did Jesus do? Jesus only did what the Father asked him to do. He always did what God the Father wanted him to do. Be imitators of God as beloved children. He loves you, and by doing what he wants you to do is the very best thing for you. And he says, walk in love. We've talked about this before. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. In other words, when you do something good, dude, it smells good to God. It, it may not smell good to other people, but it smells good to God. You ever been, you ever had the opportunity to do something and, and, and you think nobody saw it, nobody cared, nobody, you know what, you know who saw it? God saw it. And when you do what God wants you to do, it's a sweet smell to him. Regardless of how somebody responded or didn't respond, you obey God, it works, man. And so he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk in love. But God defines what this love is. It's unselfish. It's unconditional. It's sacrificial. It's all those things. And the world offers us a counterfeit love. Look at this next little part. In fact, as we get through the Ephesians 5, you're going to start learning how to love your wife. You're going to learn how to love your children. You're going to learn how to love each other. He starts addressing all these relationships. And I will give you a spoiler alert on one word of how to describe how to love people. And it's the word submission. How many of y'all hear the word submission? It's got kind of a bad connotation in your, like, submit, submit, submit. No, uh, when God wants you to submit, he puts in your heart to submit. And you know what this word submit? It's a military term. And this military term means to line up underneath somebody and do everything in your power to make them a success. Anybody here in the military or was in the military? You were in the military? What's your name, bro? Thomas. Doubting Tom. No, you get that a lot, right? Sorry, man. Uh, I see you're full of faith, brother. Thomas, you were in the military, right? Uh, What was your highest rank? You were a sergeant, dude. Hey, were you smarter than everybody, all the corporals under you? Or all the privates under you? Were you the smartest, strongest, best-looking dude? And everybody else under you was totally, like, just losers, right? No, there were probably guys smarter than you, right? Who were were privates, right? But yet in the military, God has to put somebody in charge, right? And so it doesn't work if you don't submit to the people in charge. Did you, now, did you ever have to submit to anybody higher than you? Uh, did they make dumb, dumb calls? 
and you had to submit anyways, right? But as long as you submitted, you were in good shape. And that's what God always tells us. If it doesn't cause us to violate his word, submit to the people over us. He's going to hold them accountable. But you know, by people submitting to you, did they always agree with the things that you want them to submit to? No. But if everybody lived their life in such a way where they're trying to make the person in charge of them, and yes, there are people in charge. How many of y'all know you got somebody in charge of you? Don't we hate that? We have learned to be so independent. There's nobody in charge of me. Yes, there is. <laughs> your customers are, I own my own business. Yeah, your customers own you, all right? I'm just saying, you're, you're not in charge. Can you imagine if you spent your entire life trying to make the people who are God has put in charge of you a success, how much better they would be? And then on top of it, because we hear husbands or wives submit to your husbands, Ah, you know, uh, kids submit to your parents and employees submit to your employer. But you know how he starts the whole passage off in Ephesians 5 when we get there? MJ, he says, everyone submit to each other. Can you imagine if you and your dad, just take that relationship right there. All right. Why'd you roll your eyes when I said that? (laughs) She did, Brandon. I said, just imagine your dad. She goes, oh, yeah. All right. But Can you imagine if your dad, every breathing moment he had, he was trying to make you a success? I know you're shaking your head. No, but can you imagine? You're like, no, I can't even imagine. But try to imagine. Now, can you imagine if every breathing moment you have, you're trying to make your dad a success? Brandon's going, yeah, I like that. (laughs) Because he's a parent. But I'm just saying, would your relationship be better? And I'm not saying y'all got a bad relationship just because there's 500 seats between you two right now. But no, but but literally, would your relationship not be better if both of you, your whole goal was trying to make each other success? But instead, what is our human tendency? Who who are we trying to make a success, MJ? Ourselves. How many of y'all love to be around people that are only out for themselves? How many of y'all want to pick those people to be your best friends? You're like, oh, yes. Oh, Jimmy's coming over. All he cares about is himself. I love him. He wants something from me. (laughs) That's the only time he ever calls. That's awesome. Is that really who you want to? No. You want to be around people that, wow, this dude's going to do something good for me, man. This dude loves me. This is, isn't that, then be that person. And that's what he goes in and tells us at the end of Ephesians, which we're not there yet. But he has to tell us that Satan's love is a counterfeit love. So look at this. Satan's love, the world's love, is counterfeit. It's like $70 bills. And and by the way, uh, who would counterfeit a $70 bill? Who would make a $70 bill? Because usually a counterfeit is only counterfeit. When people counterfeit things, what do they make it look like? The real thing that's of value, right? They only count, and Satan is the ultimate counterfeit. One day there's going to be the Antichrist, right? It's not the anti devil. <laughs> there's not the anti whatever, you know, the, the anti Pittsburgh Steeler guy or the anti Yankee guy. It's an anti Christ. Christ is authentic, so he's always wanted to counterfeit him. So it would be stupid to make $70 bills, right? Because nobody's going to believe that unless their eyes are blinded by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We get blinded by the most stupid stuff sometimes when you make it all about us. But the devil, that's why we need to know the truth of what God's Word says. And then we don't get tricked 
I think the devil sometimes really says, hey, watch this. Watch me dangle this bait. This guy has bit so many times and he's been hurt so many times. Watch me dangle this and watch him go for it. How many of y'all identify with that? Right? In Proverbs, Solomon said, as a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his folly. Marley, you ever see a dog eat its own vomit, bro? It's a cool thing. And if you ever see it, you'll be, hopefully you'll realize it's not good. Man, my dog, my, my granny, every one of her dog's name was Duke, except one name after Ike Eisenhower. All of them were Duke after John Wayne. And Duke always was chained, had, had a house, and always had a long chain. And Duke, this was back in the farm. This was before dogs rode in shopping carts and all that, right? But <laughs> this, was, this was back in the day when dogs had a purpose. And this dog was treated well, had everything. This dog had to look down the one-mile road and bark. It was our doorbell. Well, y'all got them smart doorbells, right? That was our smart doorbell, Duke, all right? Man, Duke was chained up, and Duke would look down. Woo, Duke would get in his doghouse, right? but alert us. And oh my goodness, every time Duke get off, got off of his chain, you know what Duke would do? What would Duke do when he got off his chain? Run and run and run. Until, and sure enough, as soon as he ran, he missed all the good table scraps, but he'd find him some roadkill, man. He'd find him a dead possum or something. Man, doesn't that sound appealing there? A dead possum? It did to Duke, man. And Duke would chow on that dead possum with all the worms and maggots and everything. And he would be like, oh, I'm in heaven. How many of y'all have a dog that rolls in dead stuff? Yeah, they love doing that. My dog rolls in dead stuff. Y'all been on a boat with her before and like, Ooh, what happened to you? She found some dead stuff to roll. So imagine how awesome a dead maggot-filled possum would be to her. And so they're eating it, and they're like, oh, oh. But as soon as they're full of dead maggot-filled possum, what are they going to do? Gurgle, gurgle, bubble, bubble. Right? It's gone. If that was you, you'd walk away, and you'd be like, I'm never eating that again. How many of y'all have ever been there? I'm never doing that again. Never, ever, ever. But the more you lay there, the more you forget about the consequences, the more the pain to change becomes more than the pain to stay the same. The more you look at it, you're like, you know what? I think I can do this a little bit different this time. I can do it a little bit different. And then there you go. You go eat it again. But what's the result? Blah, 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 blah. And a Marley, dude, a dog will do that until there's absolutely nothing left. Can you believe that? Aren't you glad us humans aren't that stupid to make the same mistake over and over again because we think there's going to be different consequences? How many of y'all are grateful God created us with a mind far superior to a dog? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should be riding in shopping carts. I'm just saying. No. But that's a... Man... Satan can dangle the right bait in front of our face, man. Satan's love is counterfeit. It's $70 bills, but we keep falling for it. Because it's got Jesus' picture on it, maybe. <laughs> the world's love. So here's our three enemies, guys. Everybody's like, oh, I'm being attacked by Satan. It's like, well, sort of. But see, Satan, you know what? You ever get attacked directly by Satan, you're going to know it. And it's a rare occasion because he doesn't have to waste his time on you. He doesn't need to because you're too easy. What he does instead is he creates a world system. He creates a world system that's totally contrary to what God has designed. Oh, you want love, man? Go buy it. You want love? Go have an affair. You want, you, you want happiness? Go do this. 
Go do this. All these things totally contrary to God of the world. And you got people encouraging you. Yeah, go do it. You deserve that. Man, he's been a jerk. You go, yeah. You, you can get the world's corroboration on it and encouragement. And it's totally contrary to the truth. So go do all that. And you do it and you're disappointed. You do it and it doesn't work out. So he creates a world system that's very appealing to our flesh. So really what's happening is not that you're directly being attacked by the devil. You have a world system that Satan has designed. In fact, the Bible says it is his system. It's his world. That's why God's going to clean it up and change it one day. And it's going to be his world. Satan can't do anything God doesn't allow him to do. But ever since Adam and Eve, God's lit and Satan destroy this world. How many of y'all think the world's getting better? <laughs> How many are watching it be systematically destroyed? And that's part of the biblical process. And, and he allows us to go through suffering so we don't fall in love with this place. We're longing for heaven and perfection and all that's there. So Satan has created a world system that's totally contrary to God. And if you don't know the word of God, you're going to fall for the counterfeit. Joy, peace, love all of this fruit of the Spirit, but the counterfeit version. And our flesh is very much into it. Our flesh loves this world system. That's why you need to be born again, because your first birth is flesh that desires only you, and the world wants to fulfill you, only to pump you up like a balloon and pop you and make you disappointed. But God says, no, give me your life. Have a relationship with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. And you walk with me, you will have, what's the fruit of the spirit, y'all? Help me out. Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness. Hey, Gavin, you were in the whole counseling world and off and on. And, and dude, does the world have a solution for peace, love, joy? Yeah, it's called prescriptions, right? I'm just saying it's not. It doesn't work. Oh, you need peace. Here's a zanny. Oh, here's a this. Here's a that. Whatever. And, and, and so again, he says, dude, right in the middle of chaos, I want to give you peace. I want to give you love. I want to give you joy. And when you actually have this stuff in the middle of all this world junk, he says, you're going to know it came from me and people are going to want to know where you got it from and you're going to tell them and you're going to tell them how to have it forever and ever and ever. Do you know in heaven it's going to be perfect and you're going to be perfect? Everything's good. The people around you are going to be perfect. Look at the person next to you or the people in your row. Look at me. Can you believe God can make me perfect? My wife is going to be praising God forever. Like, I have watched him for 32 years, and I thought they're only you, God. <laughs> yeah. Satan's love. It's the world's love. But it's the one that you find publicized. It's, it's how we have love and acceptance and tolerance and all of this. But all it does is it comes crashing down like a $70 bill. And it disappoints you. It's counterfeit. It's selfish. That's what the world's love is about. 
go have an affair, go, oh, you know what? You know how many people I've had in the last two years who have come to me and tell me that they're in a relationship that God wants them to be with, with a married person, somebody else's spouse, because you don't understand. They're in the middle of a divorce and their spouse is horrible and whatever. And it's like, and we're supposed to be together. No, you're not. That's what the Word of God says. It's counterfeit. Yes, it feels right. Yes, it feels better than what you got right now, but it's wrong. And there's thing after thing after thing with all of that. So look what he says. It's selfish. It's limited. It's conditional. Hey, that's the world's love, right? If it, 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 unconditional love is agape love. God gives you ability to love people who are not lovable. How many of y'all are grateful for that? Anybody here ever be, is anybody, Amanda, you ever unlovable? Yeah, I bet there's a few days you were unloved. No, I'm just saying it's a rare day, right? But aren't you glad that maybe Jeff could love you <laughs> when you're unlovable? He's got to get that from God. But the world system is, yeah, I'm going to love you as long as you're lovable. As long as you got something to offer me, as long as I got something to offer you, until that we'll switch. What a mess our world is in right now. Look at the family structure. Who designed the family? God designed the family. I'm not saying there's not people making the best out of what they've got and doing an awesome jam-up job. In fact, single moms, man, I'm not worthy. I don't know how you do it. Man, it's awesome. But man, the world, God set up a system that would work. And Satan, through counterfeit $70 bills, has sold us on a lie. It's selfish. It's limited. It's conditional. It will never satisfy in the end, man, do you remember my story? Remember when I really, I put the cash down and I thought I was going to grab all three of these iconic guns. Jack, were you excited for me? You were, because you know I've been looking for them, man. You were like, oh, he's going to get all three of the, only to put the cash down and realize my whole bubble just got busted. Solomon, what did he say? Solomon, he said, oh, I've had the best parties. I've had the best people. I've had the best education. I've had the best everything, this, this, this. And it's like vanity. And that word vanity means worthless, right? Any of y'all ever chased soap bubbles around? Let me, have you ever chased soap bubbles? Have you ever chased soap bubbles? Yeah, just like the other day, right? You know, that's why you have grandkids or different people come over, so you got an excuse. When you chase a soap bubble, all right? So how many of y'all ever chased a soap bubble when you were little? All right, and you took that soap bubble. Marley, you're still little. What are you raising your hand for, man? And, and so Marley, you were chasing a soap bubble when you were little, right? Real little, like Maverick's age, right? And so you're chasing a soap bubble. And Jack, did you ever chase a soap bubble? All right, man. And so you were chasing a soap bubble. And when you were like four years old, you got fast enough and you actually caught the soap bubble, right? And you're like, oh, and it didn't pop. You got the soap bubble. You went home and you put it in a special soap bubble cage, right? And you have been feeding it glitch. How old are you now, Jack? Probably? What? <laughs> Destiny, how old is Jack? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, uh, chronologically, I'm asking, all right? Yeah. Well, I'm probably, oh, yeah. Well, you're over 20, right, Jack? Yeah. And for 20 years, man, you've been feeding that soap bubble glycerin, right? And it's actually been growing and getting stronger. And you have the very soap bubble you caught when you were four, don't you? You're a liar. You don't. None of us do. Because what happened when we caught the soap bubble? It popped. 
man, we chase dreams, we chase people, we chase relationships, we, we chase businesses, we chase everything except what God wants us to chase. What does God want us to chase? Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what's going to be added to you? Everything you need, and you'll keep the things you don't need. So you remember chasing soap bubbles? There's a soap bubble. Oh, there's a, ah! You trip, you fall, you scratch your face, but you get back up to catch that soap bubble only for it to pop. Man, the devil's counterfeit love, the things the devil has to offer, he's got us chasing soap bubbles that are going to pop. It'll never satisfy us, and it won't in the end. So here's our new stuff, three verses. Check this out. <laughs> it's only 5 to 11. We're good. All right. But look what he says, and I'm going to let you guys deal with this, all right? I want you to think about it. You have Bibles. Read these verses and ask God to define these terms for you. He said, but, he said, man, live like God, walk with God, love like God, use Jesus as your example. Hey, again, anybody look in the mirror this morning? Uh, you looked in the mirror this morning? Did you, did you look exactly like you do right now? Did you have to fix anything? Yeah, a few things, right? Not like your husband, right? He woke up with that kind of hair, all that. And I'm just, yeah. Did you make any movements in the mirror? Yeah, and what did the mirror movements do? Exactly what you did, right? Otherwise, you'd be still freaking out running right now. That's what an image is. It mimics, and that's what he's saying, mimic God. Make sure whatever movements you make, whatever decisions you make, whatever actions you take should be a mimic of God in the mirror. You're his icon, right? It says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as believers, as is proper among saints. In other words, it's improper if you are living in any kind of sexual immorality. Again, he's going to talk about later, if this is your full-blown lifestyle, you better check your salvation. But he's saying, Christians, when you see sexual immorality in your life, know that you're not mimicking God. And when you see impurity, anything that's not pure in your life, no, you're not imitating God. When you see covetousness, man, this stuff shouldn't even be named among you. And so sexual immorality, how do we define sexual immorality? You know, because there's so many kinds of sexual things going on. You cannot even look on your Facebook page, your Instagram. You can't look on your computer without seeing some sort of sexual immorality. I don't know that we can truly escape it but we don't have to imitate it. We try. And so what is, so I guess to realize what immor sexual immorality is, let's look at quickly what sexual morality is. So sexual morality, what, who designed sex? God. And, and so who did God design sex for? A husband and married people. Okay. And who did God design to be married people? a husband and a wife. Do you see any controversy in our society today? If sex is designed for a husband and a wife, and a husband and wife is a man and a woman, dude, we probably could preach for weeks without getting outside of that little triangle, couldn't we? Because the world has sold us counterfeit lies. So if you're in a position where you're having sex and you're not married to either a husband or a wife because you're the opposite one, you qualify. He says, don't do that. 
It's a $70 bill. It may feel good. It may seem good. It may be okay now, but man, it's not going to work out. Forget about all the sexually transmitted diseases. Forget. Look what's going to happen to society. So figure out what's sexual immorality, impurity, anything that is not godlike. Man, I wonder how far we have gotten in, 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 in what we watch and what we look at and what we take in. You know, I remember preaching on this stuff as a youth pastor back in the 90s, but, but dude, you're like, it doesn't matter. I, I can watch this movie on Netflix, YouTube, whatever, wherever you're going to watch these movies, man. I can watch this and there's only this part. Yeah, so what if they're lesbians and whatever? I can look past and you know, I can do all this stuff. Where do we draw the line, guys? And you're like, but it doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. How long were Super Bowl commercials back in the day? Bill, how long were Super Bowl commercials, man? Yeah, see, I know you're a lineal numbers person. If anybody in here knows about it, they were, dude, they were like not a couple of minutes long. How long were Super Bowl commercials, y'all? Like 10 seconds, 5 seconds, 15 seconds maximum. And how much did they pay for those Super Bowl commercials? Millions upon millions of dollars. Do you think they would have paid millions of dollars for a teeny tiny Super Bowl commercial if it didn't affect your buying? Yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever we put in, that's what's coming out. We have been so desensitized. We have, and honestly, seriously, like when I was a kid and we had, y'all remember those boxes, y'all? There were boxes, big boxes of, of wood that sat on the floor and had a tube in it and tubes in the back. And, and you had to literally go push a button to turn it on and had these little dials and somebody actually had to get up. Y'all remember that? Somebody had to get up and and in Orlando growing up, we had three stations. If we had that squirrely little like other antenna on the back, we could get four stations, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you remember there was a commercial once every hour. Then it went to every 30 minutes. Then it went to every 15 minutes. Then it went, how many commercials are there? (laughs) If you even watch, and I'm not just picking on TV guys. You got these same commercials on your social media on whatever you're looking at. You got to pay now to not have commercials, and then they sneak them in there, right? Again, but uh, you figure out where this applies to your life. But here's what sexual immorality is it's anything that is not according to God's morality. So if you got anything going on that is different than Sex between a husband and a wife, it qualifies. And he said, stop it. In fact, you're fighting against them. But you don't understand. Here's our circumstances. Here's our situation. Dude, give God a chance to do something awesome, would you? You compromise and you buy into the world's way. I've shared this before and I got to share it right now. And I'm not talking to anybody directly in here because there's some of you that I have directly talked to about this. But man, can you imagine across from the state park, man, man, across from the state park in the surf ghetto right there. Could you imagine if I said, hey, church, I am opening up a heroin stand right there. I'm going to open up a heroin stand. We're going to have all the opioids you want, man, everything right there. And, and I'm opening it up. And, and I've got a market because anybody who does it is going to be a repeat customer. I've got the supply. I've got coming from Mexico, everything. I've got everything I need, right? 
And we're going to sell opium. We're going to sell opioids and heroin. We're going to sell drugs right there. And people are going to buy these things. So church, would you please pray for us? Mary, will you pray for me in my heroin stand? Why won't you pray for me in my heroin stand? You would pray for me. (laughs) Would you pray that my heroin stand would be successful? Mary, I'm going to take money from this heroin stand that I make, and I am going to give it to the church. I'm going to increase the pastor's salary. Oh, that's me. Anyway, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to do good with it. I'm going to feed the poor. I'm going to do all these things. You're still not going to pray for my business. Why? Destroys it. You pray because you know all the damage it could do. And you've seen what it's doing in our society. You've seen the people it's destroying in spite of the money, in spite of the good somebody could feel good about doing something with. It's wrong. And God said it's wrong. People living together. You want to live together? And you want to act like you're married and not be married? That's like setting up a heroin stand, and I've watched it over and over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face, and I have people telling me, oh, no, you haven't heard $70 bills are okay now. God established marriage. You want to get married and you don't have any money? Come see me, bro. I'll do it for free. We'll do it out on the boat on a romantic island. It's totally no charge. But if you're like, no, I'm not sure I want to marry that person, quit acting like you want to be married to them. Ditch the relationship or do it right, one or the other, because you're not making it any better. Man, the closer we try to get with God, oh, the worse our our, our relationship gets, because you're not married and God's fighting against it like a heroin stand. And I'm talking not just about marriage, I'm talking about anything counterfeit that goes against the Word of God. Anything. You understand God's fighting against it? In this day and age, don't you need God on your side? But we got people telling us God is on our side. God is how No, not if you're here. Look what Paul said. Sexual immorality and all impurity. Impurity is anything that makes your stuff not pure. Dude, I love water, man. Oh, anybody like a nice glass of water? I got a nice glass of water right here, and it is pure as far as I can see. But if Bob were to spit in here, <laughs> it ain't pure no more. What if Bob just stuck his tongue in there and I didn't even see the spit, but I saw him do it? It would be impure. How many of y'all would drink? Who would drink this now? I know there's some of you gross people that would just to, but literally, here, let me stir it up for you. All right? Bless you. <laughs> How many of y'all would drink this now? Why? Because you're like, that's just gross. That's what impurity is. God's looking at you living contrary to his word, and we're not perfect. The reason we come together, sin is sin. The only difference is the consequences. We come here to look at the word and have our sins exposed, not so we can make a whole new religion excusing that sin or that one or this one. It's so that we can say, man, this is separating me from God. I want to be more like God. God, I need your power to do this the right way. That's why we come together. You think I'm perfect or even close to perfect? You ain't heard very many messages and you ain't lived in my house. You want to know my imperfections? Go talk to my wife. Go hang out with me. 
I'm, I'm not, dude. I'm in the same boat as you, just different seats. And anything that is contrary to God's word makes it impure. You look like a thirsty soul, sister. <laughs> Would you like to drink this right now? Why? Because you don't know where this finger's been, right? That's what I'm saying. But that's what he talks about with impurity and covetousness. Look what he says. All but sexual immorality and all impurity. And what's the next word? Not and, but what? Or. He's saying sexual immorality and impurity are covetousness. And covetousness is this. That's the last of the Ten Commandments. So we forget about Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. No, we cherry pick them. Which one we want to do, which one's okay in society, right? When they're, they're Ten Commandments, right? And so anyways, in this, he says it's covetousness. The very last one's covetousness. And covetous, don't covet. Don't covet your neighbor's junk. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. That's not the same thing, but don't covet. The last ones just don't covet. Well, what about my neighbor's so-and-so? No, don't covet your neighbor's dog. It's like, don't covet. And covet is where I desire something that doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. And if, if God wanted me to have it, it would what, Brandon? It belonged to me. So I'm wanting something God doesn't want me to have. That's covetousness. And if you're guilty of coveting, you will be able to break all other Ten Commandments. People have murdered people over covetousness. They lie over covetousness. They take things that don't belong over that. And so again, God says, look, and he's not trying to beat us up like, well, I feel really bad today. No, he's trying to show you, here's a big dunghill, elephant poo, and you're walking straight into it, and God's saying, stop. Don't make me have to pull you out of that giant pile elephant poo. He's trying to stop us before we get to it. So if you find yourself in this situation, I am too. God has beat the snot out of me with this message. Well, well, I'm good here, I'm good here, but not here. And again, it's not to make me feel bad. It's so I can experience true love, not counterfeit love. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetous. He said, man, this must not be named among you as is proper, or this is all improper among saints. You're above this. Don't live this way. This is not how you're supposed to be. Let there be no filthiness. Again, filthiness. My feet are filthy. <laughs> I think I'd like to just sit here and put them in Ann's lap right now. <laughs> you good with that? No, because your lap is not filthy. My feet are. Hey, uh, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, I think it was Amos, one of those guys, he had a white cloak and he was trying to explain to Israel and he said, Hey, let me ask you a question. Go grab this dirt ball. Guy grabs a dirt ball and he says, hey, put this dirt ball in my pocket. He said, is the dirt, can the dirt ball ever be clean enough? Uh, or can my cloak ever be clean enough to make the dirt ball clean? Let me ask you a question. Can you ever be clean enough to make dirt ball clean? No, only God can clean somebody. And so he says, whenever you take dirt balls and put them in your pocket, what's going to happen? Your cloak's going to get dirty. It's so much easier, man, on here. Bob, would it be easier? Stand up for a second, Bob. Come here, man, real super quick. And you're a big dude. I should have you up here. This would be easier. Would it be easier for me to pull you up here or you to pull me down? Yeah, exactly, to pull you. To, yeah, because I'm not sure I can even pull you up there. 
But with God's strength, it can happen. So he said, let no be filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking. Well, what does he want us just to be a prude? No, he wants us to experience true love, not counterfeit love. He said, man, these things are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. You know, it should make you... How many of y'all know somebody at work, somebody in the community? Hopefully it's not the dude in the mirror, but hopefully you know somebody... Man, that, that, that anything that somebody says, they can turn into some sexual innuendo. You know that guy in your condo? <laughs> you know that guy in your neighbor? You know that guy at work? And again, hopefully that's not you because he says, oh, that's just not, it's not proper. But yet sometimes I think to make you feel like you need to fit in in society, in this counterfeit world that we live in, you have to be that guy. He says, no. You don't. He said, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. You be grateful for whatever there is. You show thanksgiving because when you are grateful, everything is what? Great. When you're grateful, everything's great. So you're always looking for reasons to be grateful. There's better things to use our mouth for than to be dealing with. He calls it foolish talk. It's where we get moron from, actually, that word foolish. He said, man, stay away from filthiness and from moron talk or crude jesting. That's not you. You're a believer. Walk like Christ. He said, those things are out of place, but instead you give thanksgiving. Find ways. You, if you want to know why to be thankful for a situation, who can you ask? God, God, why should I be thankful for this situation? And let him show you and you share that. Always pointing things back to God, trying to help others see life from God's perspective. Look at this. He says, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, he's not talking about you having your season, you having your thoughts, you having your joke, you having your... He's, that should just make you uncomfortable the closer you are to God being in that position. But he's saying, if this is your lifestyle of sexual immorality, and you're okay with it, and again, you define what sexual immorality is by, by God's definition. It's anything contrary to what God has defined as godly morality. If you're okay with that, you better check your salvation is what he's saying. I'm not saying you're saved. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm not the judge. He is, but this is what the judge has told us. If you are not uncomfortable in these situations, if it doesn't make you cringe, if it does, it, you know, yeah, you catch yourself and you're like, oh, I did it again. Or man, I got to stop this. If, 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 if you're not that and you can just roll right along from this one and this one and this one, he said, check your salvation. Look at that. You may be sure of this. He said, hey, Ashley, there's a chance. Is that what he says? No, he says, you can be sure of this, that everyone who's sexually immoral as a lifestyle, impure as a lifestyle, who is covetous as a lifestyle, it's all about getting stuff that you don't need and you want and it doesn't belong to you. It's not what God wants you to have. He said, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. And as a believer, when you're living that way, you can't enjoy your inheritance. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God, man. His righteousness and everything you need will be there. You already have it, but if you're living that counterfeit life that the world has satisfied your flesh with, you're missing what God really has for you. And if that is your lifestyle... I don't care what anybody has said. Well, I've been baptized 15 times. I've said this. I did this. I don't care. Here's what the apostle, I'm not saying it. Here's what the apostle Paul said. He said, if this is your lifestyle, good chance you ain't saved. 
Don't be destroyed by falling for Satan's counterfeit love, especially when God's authentic love is so awesome and it's available. Look at these two real quick verses. Here's what he says. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. You know what an empty word is? Words contrary to God's word. That's what it is. Full words, the true words are God's word. He said, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Dude, there was a recent, court, a recent case that happened. I think it was up in Felsmere where some innocent girl, supposedly innocent girl, she got, she got killed by a SWAT team. Anybody remember that? She got killed by a SWAT team. She was there, her boyfriend and baby daddy and all everybody else that was in there, they were known drug dealers and they had a warrant on them, right? And they knocked and they got shot at. So they bust in and maybe I got details, but in essence, you're a SWAT guy. That's what happened. Bottom line, they had to bust in and they're being shot at. So they start shooting. And this girl, even though she's maybe not a drug dealer and wasn't doing the things they did, she was there. And you know what happened to her? She got killed. And everybody's like, oh, they shouldn't have shot her. They should have had more discriminating bullets while they're being shot at. No. You're in the wrong place. You're going to have the wrong things happen. That's what he's saying here. He said, man, because he said, don't let anyone deceive you to think this is okay. When you know in your heart of hearts, again, how do you make gray? You start with white, right? Or do you start with black? If you start with black, what do you got to do to make gray? Oh, dude, you need a ton of white. But isn't it easier to make gray by taking white and just adding a little bit of black to it? And when you add a little bit of black and now you're in that gray, he says, look at this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Don't help them live you in the gray because for these things, the wrath of God, there is wrath of God. He wants to love you, but you're in the way of him loving people who want to be loved. He said, man, these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So even if you think you're not being disobedient, but you're standing in the middle of it, you're going to suffer the consequences. Stay away. Psalm 1, go ahead and read Psalm 1 at home. Again, it starts out, and the psalmist says, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Starting by walking, hearing ungodly counsel, which we hear in the world, and he says, nor stands in the way of sinners. So all of a sudden, he's walking with ungodly counsel. Next, he stands, and he's listening to a bunch of ungodly. People are doing, not just giving him counsel, but they're doing the wrong thing, and he's not doing it. But he's in the middle of it. Next, he says, and blesses a man who doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. So you go from walking to standing to sitting and doing things you never dreamed you would do. That's why he says, man, you find yourself, if the word of God right now is bringing conviction, it's not Pastor Eddie, because I've already had my conviction from the Holy Spirit. That's not my purpose. My purpose today is to show you there is a counterfeit love that this world is selling, and God's got the authentic one, and I want you to tap into that because I need you to help me tap into that. So it's man, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. You're going to find yourself right in the middle of all of it. And you're going to suffer the consequences, even if you're not participating, but chances are you're going to, you know, right? So he said, therefore don't become partners with them because you're going to suffer the consequences. And you're going to become like the ones you hang out with. You know that, MJ? Man, I'll never forget. 
my first pastor, and I'll say the story and we're done. It just ain't as long as my first story, but, or at least it's not supposed to be if I ever get started, right, Terry? <laughs> dude, I, my first pastor, and I used to wear a little tie. I had a short sleeve shirt, polyester pants, man, dude, you should have seen it. It was cool, but no. <laughs> but I remember going and visiting this lady, Frida Decker. I'll never forget her name. She's the old lady. She was in the nursing home, man. I'd go visit Frida Decker. And man, Frida and I talked, she was a spirit-filled woman, and she would tell me things. She's a country woman. This out in Webster, where I pastored my first pastorate. And, you know, we got to be really, really close, really good friends. And one day she said, Pastor, come here. And I was like, what do you want? <laughs> she's like, she's like, come here. Because we got close, man. And I didn't know how close she was getting, actually. You know, I'm a married man, and <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, she might not realize she's as old as she was. She's laying down in that bed and everything. She's like, the pastor, come here. And I'm like, what? She says, come closer. And I'm coming closer going, <sighs> it's just closer. And I'm like, I wanted to ask her, what are your intentions, ma'am? <laughs> but, I, but I trusted her. She's a spiritful woman. She says, come closer, come closer. I get down. I'm right in her face, dude. I thought she was going to kiss me smack dab on the lips with no teeth. And I was like, <laughs> she's like, come closer, shiny. And I'm like, <laughs> And I'm there, she grabs my tie and pulls me to this close to her face. I said, oh, no, here we go, man. I sealed my lips like, mm, man. <laughs> I'm like, and, but I was thinking the wrong thing because when she looked me square in the eye, she said, let me tell you this, boy. She says, you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. And then like supernaturally, like she just pushed me and I'm like flying through the air. Like, woo! I mean, I really wasn't, but that's what I, that's how I felt in this whole thing. And to this day, I've never forgot her beady eyes and her words. You lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. And that's what he's saying. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. We have to be more of an influence than we are being influenced. And here he's saying, here's what counterfeit love looks like. Don't be influenced by it, but you change it by being grateful. You be the influence. Help the people see life from God's perspective. What did he call us? We're light and what? Salt. Dude, you ever put too much salt on something? You taste salt, right? <laughs> you put salt on it. In fact, that's what I say is a good cook is one who knows how much salt. Dude, Jack, you put salt on cardboard. What's this cardboard going to taste like? Salt. <laughs> you put salt on, on your hair. It's going to taste like whatever. Salt changes the flavor. That's your job. You're a believer. Don't let them pepper you down with $70 bills, bro. What I'm saying is, man, when you find yourself in these situations where the world's enjoying this counterfeit love, you become salt, not an obnoxious jerk, but you speak the truth in love. You represent God and help people see life from God's perspective. Amen? That's what this is about. Here's the summary. Be like God. God is love. God's love is authentic. It forgives. It's selfless. It's sacrificial, it's unlimited, it's unconditional. But Satan's love, which is the one the whole world's bought into, and everybody on TV's selling, everybody everywhere's selling this, and it's normal, but it's not right. Satan's love is counterfeit. If God's love wasn't so good, he wouldn't counterfeit it. He wouldn't work so hard to counterfeit it, but Satan does. But it's selfish, it's limited, it's conditional, and it will not satisfy you, especially in eternity. 
don't be destroyed by falling for Satan's counterfeit love, especially when God's authentic love is so awesome and it's available. If you have the desire and ability right now to surrender yourself to him, it ain't from anything I said. (laughs) If you have a desire to surrender yourself to him and say, God, I want that love, that's his Holy Spirit giving you that desire and ability. And he said, it's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. Go for it. Do it. I don't know anybody who's ever done it and wish they hadn't, but thousands like me wish they had done it sooner. You have that desire. Go for it. But if you're a believer and you already know you're his child, what we're encouraged to do is act like it. Even if he's given us some hard stuff to swallow, some things that if we change, we don't know how it's going to work out, but we know who's going to work it out. We're like, I don't know all the details. You don't. That's why it takes faith. All you know is what's right and what's wrong. And you do what's right. Ask God for the guts to apply his grace to do that today. And he'll give it to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to alert you every time you're being sucked into this counterfeit love through immorality and through filthiness and impurity and covetousness and ask the Holy Spirit to turn our hearts back to him. Because the more we fall in love with him, the more we find out how much he's in love with us. That never ends. It's a cycle that we can't outlove. Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, this is your word. Um, If I had my druthers and wanted to be popular and wanted to just do what I wanted to do, probably I would have skipped this little section. But Father, I love you. And you called me to represent you and speak on your behalf. And Father, I've surrendered. And this is your word. Father, I tried as best I could in my human finite brain and mind and voice to expound it and share it. And Father, but it's your Holy Spirit that's got to take it and apply it to each of our lives. Father, um, whatever we heard, that's what you want us to apply. It's like a giant porterhouse steak that we'd choke on if we tried to eat it with one bite. But you so lovingly have cut off a little piece and put it on a fork. Whatever it is that you put on that fork for us to chew on, Father, help us not forget about it when we get out of here. Help us think about it. You're trying to keep us from walking into a giant pile of poo. And I'm grateful for that. Father, we want to represent you. We want to know how much you love us because it'll cause us to love you more. Father, help us not be sucked into $70 bills, but help us to tap into the riches that you have given us, that you tell us about through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians by obedience. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.